Hi, I'm Kane, and I've always been a storyteller. Whether it be through my passion as a singer-songwriter or working as a journalist, I've always been drawn to crazy stories and telling them to my friends. But there are some stories that haven't been told quite enough. So grab a seat, a drink, and hunker down as we delve into the realms of those forgotten stories. Welcome to Breaking Bard. Stories untold, tales that we've spun Quite a few missing, where have they gone? Come fill your mind with ghosts of the past Now that we're breaking bad 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 Hello everyone and welcome to Breaking Bard episode 7. Can't believe we've got 7 episodes. Um, today we are in a different location. We are in France and we are in my flatmate, old flatmate and best, one of my best friend Maeve's new house in France. So today, yes, we have the return of Maeve. Hello. I'm back, back, back again. She's back. <laughs> And then it's a very special episode because today I have the honour and privilege of introducing you all to my other best friends. This is like my bestest friend group. Um, we have Ellie Wilson. Hey. Say hi, Ellie. Hi, it's a privilege to be here. I bet, honestly. <laughs> I couldn't wait. And then we've got Maggie Love. Hi. Oh, God, I'm very nervous. Oh, <laughs> You'll be fine. Everyone will love you. Um, yeah, I just want to first let's raise a glass of Aperol Spritz. Cheers. Plonk, plonk, plonk. Um, yeah, we've known each other, what, for over a decade? Oh, yeah. Closest to 15 Easy. years. Definitely. Maybe 13, 14 years. That makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Um, yeah, we all English growing up in France. Um, and yeah, we all kind of like, I guess revolved, gravitated towards each other. Grew up, first nights out, first pukes, mostly at Maeve's house. Um, Yeah, first whiteys. First first, um, kiss and tells, mainly to each other. Um, And yeah, uh, now we're successful businesswomen. (laughs) (laughs) Can we say that? We're all successful businesswomen. First of all, May have got a job offer today. Cheers, Yay, to, that. cheers to that. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Many cheers. Milky bars are on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm getting a kitchen. <laughs> getting a kitchen, finally. I mean, we're in her kitchen, but... Yeah, yeah we have... Um, we're actually doing it very DIY today because we have one microphone currently suspending from a rusty nail that we found in uh, <laughs> the wooden beam. Hey, it's French, it's rustique chic. Rustique <laughs> yeah. We love it. Um, so yeah, so please apologize for the, if the audio quality isn't as it usually is, but you know, we just roll with it. It tells exactly. a story. Yeah, yeah that makes it authentic. Exactly, yeah. and also this is basically an orgy in basic <laughs> Breaking Bad terms, because there are not one, not two, but three guests. <gasps> for the story (laughs) that I'm going to tell you today. So, 
I kind of thought oh, I needed to curtail this story a little bit. I don't know, it was hard because I was like, you know, hmm, normally I like to find something that would um, kind of maybe relate, be relatable to one of the guests. Um, but here I had to do it to three. And actually, it's um, our lovely uh, mutual friend, Konsti, who put me onto this story. The day I was looking for stuff, I was actually looking around and I had two in mind and I started to think, but I don't know, I didn't feel that, mm, this mm -hmm. one. Kunsti sent me an Instagram and was like, babe, you need to do this story. Oh, and I love it. Very, so, and I was like, oh, I love it. And actually, while I was doing it, I realised that there's some links to where we are. Where? God, just as a warning, I think the chaos uh, magic button is going to be... <laughs> She'll make an appearance. She'll make an appearance. Make a love, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, I guess, um, without further ado, should we, like, get this thing out? Yes! Okay. So, ladies. My lovely four Prosecco spritzers. Um, I'm going to be telling you the story of Marie-Angélique Mémy Leblanc, La Fille Sauvage de Champagne, or The Wild Girl of Champagne, or otherwise known as The World's Real Mowgli. Oh! So... If you have any stories, as Consti did, you'd like to share with me or recommend me, then please don't hesitate to send me an email at breakingbardpod at gmail.com. Um, that would be great. Help me do my work, basically. <laughs> um, so, for centuries, people have obsessed with what they called feral children. So I'm going to be talking about feral children and wild children a lot, mm -hmm. and mainly, basically, because that's the term they would use. Poor things. They're not animals, so... We'll get into that. Um, Aren't we all feral children at heart? We, I think we all really are. These were stories of children who, for some reason or another, grew up without any parents, usually isolated and in the presence of animals. People have made their livelihoods off of this phenomena, such as famous writer Rudyard Kipling, who was inspired by various true feral children's stories of the time to write the fictional story of Mowgli in 1894. So exactly two years, uh, 200 years no, a hundred years. Shit, I'm not that young. A um, hundred years before most of us were born. Um, now, we all remember the story made even more famous by the Disney film based on Kipling's book with the same name, The Jungle Book. Yeah. A young boy is raised by a panther called Bagheera and a friendly bear called Baloo. So just a couple of years later in 1912, Edgar Rice Burroughs introduced the world to another young boy, this time a lord who grew up with apes, becoming just as agile and strong as them among the trees, Tarzan. Of course. Oh. So if we look back even further to 300 BC, um, the legend of Remus and Romulus, whose story tells the events that led to the founding of the city of Rome and the Roman kingdom, legend goes that their mother, Rhea Silvia, was visited by Mars, the god of war, and fell pregnant. Cheeky. <laughs> she gave birth to the twins, but being a holy priestess, had to give them up. Abandoned, but not for long, as they were then adopted by a she-wolf who let them suckle at her teeth. <laughs> I'm chilling, <laughs> dirty dog. <laughs> Literally. Who <laughs> let them suckle at her teeth for milk and save the two boys. I actually wrote, pause for laughter. <laughs> I knew. I, I thought as so I was writing it. going, she's like, she-wolf. <laughs> I was writing it in the plane and I was like, I could see you, Ellie, being like, really? <laughs> teeth. I mean, what else would you call them? 
Oh yeah, we are all very we went to bed at six last night, so <laughs> But we're still powering on through. Oh yeah. You'll get the hunger of a giddiness. Mm. Wow. <laughs> you are listener, you are privileged. You're in for a rollercoaster. Um, so yeah, so basically you know, these stories have been quite famous and quite present around um, society. Why is it always wolves? I don't know. Yeah, because mm. there were wolves in, in, it's true, in Mowgli as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, apes with Tarzan. True. But, um, so I guess by now you've figured I'm going to tell you the story of a feral child, but this one is slightly different because in most Mowgli-esque stories, they are boys or men. Yeah. Whereas this one is a girl. Her name was Marie-Angélique Leblanc. And so this is the story of L'Enfant Sauvage de la Champagne. Amazing. Love it. So, first we must time travel back to the 18th century to an area that was known at the time as French Louisiana or La Louisiane Française. This was a territory in North America occupied by French colonists that stretched from as north as present-day Saskatchewan in Canada all the way down to New Orleans. So here's a picture. So it was that. Oh, right. Ooh, okay. they got a lot. Yeah. That's, that's massive. I know, so that was the French all the way down there, mm. coming all up. All the way up now, then you had yeah. to colonise those French. So all the tribes of, oh yeah, so all the tribes, you know, there was a lot of them, especially on the Canadian border, yeah. etc. Yeah. Sure. So wow. there lived a tribe of Native Americans called the Meskwaki people. They called themselves Meskwaki Haki, which means the Red Earth, as they believed their gods had made their ancestors from clay. They lived along the St. Lawrence River in present-day Ontario. The tribe may have numbered as many as 10,000, but years of war with the Huron, another tribe whom French colonial agents supplied with arms, and exposure to new European infectious diseases reduced their numbers. In response to these pressures, the Meskwaki migrated to the southern side of the Great Lakes to territory that much later was organized by European Americans as the states of Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Iowa. So basically they were up here. Mm and then they were pushed to living around here. The Europeans knew this tribe as the Fox Indians or the Fox tribe. French colonists had misunderstood one group of natives who named themselves after the cunning animal, and so they named the whole tribe Les Renards, or the Foxes. Of course, they did. Yeah, bastards. See one. Oh, that'll do for everyone. Yeah, Yeah. innit? Whereas they were like, oh, we're the four Prosecco Spritzers. Like, <laughs> we're the foxes. You know, we're the... And then they were like, oh, they're all foxes. They're like, no. what are foxes? We're yeah, everybody eats Prosecco yeah. Spritzer. Lip, not every, exactly. Well, you can't just fucking wake up with a foxtail. Literally. Wow. They were a people who used the land around them to make medicine. They were extremely proficient in herbalism and their ancestors had been living in these parts of the world since 1000 BC. Wow. So they've been here for a long time. A long time. A long time. Collins come, start taking all their land away from them. Gosh. At first European contact in 1698, the French estimated the number of Misquaki as about 6,500. By 1712, the number had declined to 3,500. Then came the Fox Wars, of which there were three. The Misquaki allied with another Native American tribe against the French and their native allies. So the French had convinced other native tribes to go with them against this native tribe who had uh, someone else called the Sac. And so the Sac and the Meskwaki were like... At war. 
at war with the French and other tribes. Must so, have been a real mess. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God. So in order to try and protect their lands, they were doing this battle. But sadly, obviously, well, they had bigger weapons, more force. And so they were lost and nearly all the fox warriors were killed. Many oh. women and children were taken into slavery or <sighs> killed by French allies. Oh. So I'm just going to quickly, for the context, finish where we are at because it's really interesting. Um, with the Meskwaki tribes where they are today. By 1910, the Sac and Meskwaki tribes banded together and only totaled about a thousand people. During the 20th century, they began to recover their cultures, however, by the year 2000, their numbers had increased to nearly 4,000. Still, it's terrible, but... And so now they live... small numbers, isn't it? Yes. So many people just got wiped out. Wiped out. For the sake of, yeah. Their cultures, you know. It's insane. People coming over and be like, no, it's mine. Yeah. No. No, it's not. And forgotten. And now today, imagine then, like, you're walking around America and, like, it's America. It's the dream. And everyone's like... Land of the free. Home of the brave. (laughs) 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 It's true. But then also, like... Everyone's like, this isn't the America my ancestors knew. It's like everyone's got walking amnesia, right? Mm, You've just all forgotten what happened. And you've got these, you know, tribes and people who are living in reservations. Yeah. Like they're fucking animals. Like reservations, like a natural park for people. Yeah. It's so sad. So now that we have some context, let's go back to the early 1700s. Um, a young girl whose first and true name will sadly never know was born to the Meskwaki tribe during the first of the Fox Wars in around 1701 start then little is known about her early days but we hope she managed to catch a glimpse of her family's ancient culture before her world around her was upheaved so this story is hard to tell as there are conflicting reports with variations in the storyline on the web um it's obviously an old story, so there's all these things about, you know, like there's one book that's brought out, it's believed to be true. There's more and more, basically, this story is getting more traction now because it was forgotten for hundreds yeah. of years. So there's more and more finding out, so I'm not surprised if we will find out more about this uh, person. But so there's a few things that are, that I've, there's a few storylines, so I'm going to try and say all of them in a way. Okay. Um, so that we know, you know. So the first story I heard was published and told by Radio France in 2017 by the Chronique de Isabelle Sorant. So a woman who came, spoke for four minutes and kind of resumed it. But then I wanted to dig deeper and I saw there's less details. Um, So I'm going to kind of base myself on this version, but we'll mention the other versions as we go along. So... In 1715, according to Radio France's report, the young girl was taken in and adopted by a French noblewoman living in Canada at the time. So we believe perhaps, um, you know, there'd been these wars, maybe her tribe had been massacred, or maybe she was, you know, left abandoned and someone took her in. Other reports say she was put into slavery and bought by this woman. Uh, as a young slave. However, she would only have been about four or five years old, so... Surely not. Yeah, so, uh, I don't know, would you buy a four-year-old? Maybe. Maybe. It wouldn't surprise me. No. Times were so different and people did things that you wouldn't even, you know, question, so... Mm -hmm. Perhaps. There were some reports that said, because she was quite light-skinned, they might have painted her black. Oh. Oh! And tried to sell her as a slave because there was this whole thing where 
the whiter you are, the more human you were seen My as God. being. Yeah. So to like convince someone to okay. take someone as a slave, yeah, dark times, barbarous. Dark times. So in any case, we know she was with this woman until in 1720, they headed to France and arrived by ship in the port of Marseille. Mm. However, the city was under siege from an epidemic Oh no. The plague. Oh, oh not yeah. turn back around. Go back. Go back off. Go back to sunnier pastures. Um the atmosphere as we can imagine um must have felt like the end of the world. Oh, People we all being know that conf- one. Yeah, we do. <laughs> confined <laughs> to their boats. Um and so the noblewoman decided it was a good idea to leave the girl with the owner of a silk making uh, oh, factory. Yeah. Yeah. Can we just leave her? Yeah. I brought you all this way. She's you don't like, know what's happening. Uh, I know we need to co- confine, but like I've got money and I need to go. I've got so. stuff to be doing. <gasps> so she left her with this man. So she's thought to have been raped by him. Oh. And just had a terrible time. Oh God. Another version of the story says her boat upon which she was a slave being brought to France was shipwrecked and she managed to run away as a ship washed for the pond store. Sure, so pretty conflicting right, sides yeah. of the story. I hope it's um, the latter. Yeah, I know. But she in any case... Well, but also, would a, far, yeah, would a far or five-year-old be able to swim to shore? So, no, so sorry, that was when she was taken in, so here she'll be about nine years old. Oh, right, okay, sorry, apologies. No, no, that's fine. So, yes, she's nine, nine years old. Yeah, poor, poor Barbara. Poor Barbara. But in any case, whatever, the, uh, whatever happened. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Whatever. whatever. We don't care. Okay, um, no. Sorry. No. Um, in any case, the young nine-year-old made friends with another little girl who was a black slave of the same age. Um, Radio France said she was probably from Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why, maybe at the time, perhaps that was the common country that the French had been taking, stealing people from. Right. Yeah. Oh, my God. But this girl was supposedly working in the silk factory and probably facing the same horrific day-to-days as Marie-Angélique. So, unable to bear their horrific day-to-day, the pair decide to make their escape and run away into the French forest. Oh, Go on, girls. girls! Go on! Yeah, yeah. Do it, run! Love that girl power. Like it. Girl power. Girl power. Like it. Yeah. But at that age as well, imagine being, you must have been petrified. Can you imagine? Yeah. To, to, run, to run away into the wilderness. Just be. I mean. The thing is, you grow up so quickly, but they were years oh, yeah. ahead was, of what they yeah. should have been. They were yeah. like 16 in the head. Yeah. Right? But that's were. exactly like to think that they had, they thought we've got no other f- yeah. like yeah. fucking That uh, was their last resort. But to run into the forests. And like they're like we are in the Perigord right now. We yeah. can see what these forests are like, and if there wasn't that one road, Severe. it would just be that severe. <laughs> it's green. It's very really green. green around here. But they <laughs> ran off to the forest in South France. Yeah. So, not speaking the same language, they learn to whistle and make up their own kind of sign language. No way. Oh, Bless their hearts. Kids can always communicate That's without language, can't they? Mm-hmm. They always got... find a way. Massive capacity to I be able to that. speak to each other. It's always well. We all moved to France when we were young, and yeah. it's like you see we a French person that just grabs you by the hand and is like, makes a sign, and you just play with them all day. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what did you talk about? Oh, we didn't. He's <laughs> <laughs> my did. best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Same when we met you guys. We learned, you know, northern southern. <laughs> 
I've just noticed we're sat on opposite sides yeah. of the table. <laughs> yes. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Watch yourselves, yeah. Oh. No, we're all not at heart. <laughs> Too far, too far. No, yeah. Back off. We all, every southerner just wishes they were northern. That's why. Of course yeah, I think so. In your, in your ass. In our ass. So hearts. glad I can show our, our, our audience me great northern <laughs> accent. <laughs> Normally I'm great at it, but I just you panicked. Are you, you are great. I feel like you haven't been too northern. I have. Oh, I have. Yeah. Yeah, but not as much as like when you go to Burnley and you're like, <laughs> Yeah, oh, I'm in Burnley. <laughs> well, babe, we're not in Burnley here, are we, babe? I mean... We're in Perigord. We're, we're in, in Perigord. Perigord. <laughs> so now the, 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 the thing I'm taking is someone from North who's moved to France mm-hmm. and his Northern accent's starting to soften up. That's my chameleon. That's what I'm going oh, for. Oh, is that your character? Yeah, that's ah, my character. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, you lost me for a second. His name's yeah. Dean. <laughs> Christ. Christ. I love him. Love our Dean. Anyway, so then, back to the girls. Come on. Sorry. So, they lived alone in France's forests by teaching themselves to fish, to hunt, and to make shelters by digging holes under roots to protect themselves from the elements. Wow. How amazing. I wouldn't think to do that. No. (laughs) What would you... I want to hear it. What would you do? I'd probably cry. (laughs) (laughs) Open a ball and mom. In it, rock yourself, rock yourself to sleep. It's mad because, like we were saying, like they were totally robbed of their childhoods. Like Mm. they had to not only necessarily like grow up into an adult and think in adult ways, but protect themselves from anything. You know, it wasn't even a case of, you know, being a young child in a house by themselves, but having to live in a house. But they were outside and having to just survive. Just survive. It's insane. You can't. You can't ever think of doing. You can't think about it. So, they survived this way for 10 years. Wow. Walking for thousands of kilometres through France's wild forests. No way. So, they started off down in south. Remember what her name was? She was called La Sauvage de Champagne. Champagne. She was found in the north of France. (laughs) (laughs) Reams. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it just pissed off the back. Isn't it? Reams. Um, <laughs> so they survived walking through France's wild forests, thousands of kilometres, so until far. so far. Can you imagine so walking far. from the south of France to the north of France? I can't even imagine driving it from here. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. So, until a Frenchman who owned woods in the Marne in the Champagne region of northern France, spotted the girls, dirty clothes, and eating the raw flesh of the animals they had hunted. Wow. Some people saw um, her, uh, Marie, stealing apples, um, and it was this thing of like, oh, there's something in the woods. There's someone in the woods. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, um, And there was a few, like, they even set their bulldog on. Oh. There's one story that says that the owner of the woods set his bulldog on the girls, and that Marie-Angélique, had a huge stick and a pointy stick and... A huge stick? No, a huge stick! (laughs) Wow. Wow. No, sorry, she had a club. (laughs) (laughs) She had a big club. 
And apparently, one whack clubbed the dog to death um, oh, and fled up a tree into the branches, running away. Well, but sure. we don't know if this actually happened or was the beginning of, you know, people fantasizing. Sure. This. Yeah, true. Oh, folklore, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Not just a good Taylor Swift album, is it? Oh, spicy. I've not actually listened to it either. I don't, yeah. I'm just really down with the kids. Um, <laughs> oh, the... saying that. You know. <laughs> You've got dad beard now and everything, haven't you? It's true. But isn't she nice Daddy? and... Uh, no, yeah. lovely. She's nice and... Um, Well-trimmed. <laughs> Well-trimmed, thanks. It's hard to speak just English, isn't it? It is so um, hard. <laughs> <laughs> this Prosecco's going down a tree. How are really you feeling? Really Hey, me too. I'm ready for another I'm one. I rolled him back from necking his last bit. <laughs> 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 Don't worry, we'll do a cheeky. We'll sweat do a cheeky. Bit, yeah. I'm sweating. Oh, I sweat too. I bet. <laughs> I can smell it. You've been, wait- been waiting 10 minutes That's to say that, haven't you? I'm sweating the garlic out. Oh. <laughs> I'm a garlic girl. <laughs> Ellie's been ha- has eaten a lot of garlic in the last few days. And let's just say that. Body weight in garlic. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right. <laughs> it's such a shame our podcasters can't see the dirty no, side eye that you just gave <laughs> Miguel of. I love it. So, she walked all that fucking hell. I can't even walk to the corner shop on a Sunday when I'm not motivated enough. And and barefoot as well. There won't have any Birkenstocks. Literally. Oh, no. No No Birkenstocks. No No Birkenstocks. Breaking Bard is sponsored by Birkenstocks. (laughs) If not, we wish. Um, Apparently, they they had, like, tattered clothes of their original clothes. Um, but also had animal skins uh, wow, that wow. they must have, yes. you know, pelts, literally. And yeah, they um, yeah they walked so many kilometers. Get your steps um, in. Get your steps in. <laughs> oh yeah. So, Marie Angelique's companion. Yeah. Oh no. Oh, no. I know oh, what that stop. Was killed <gasps> by the farmer. Sadly. Oh. What the far- the farmer that found them when they'd gone up north? I think. Killed, yeah. <gasps> oh, I've got so that's, that's, that's the story that Radio France says. And I know that as journalists, they can't just be spouting. This is why I've based more my version on Radio France's report. Yeah, because be they need to be fact-checked yeah. and all that. Um, the, so in that story, she her companion was killed. Oh, oh they've been together for like 10 years and I gone know. through all that. It's horrible. Can you imagine? And it's also like, what the fuck? And then in other stories... Either she never existed, or um, they were together, but then they had a fight about some possession or animal, and just uh, decided to part ways, part ways, and split around their own thing. Right. I call it. I think that's bullshit, and I yeah. think it might be racist bullshit. Right. Because this this girl was black yeah. too. She was killed. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're wanting to dance around the fact that it was probably. Yeah. I think Rich, it was easier to, to wish her away to say yeah. that she didn't yeah. exist. If so if if you spent ten years together, you're not just going to be like, oh, you took my animal pelt. Uh, yeah. Uh, fuck off. You know. Yeah. Yeah. They're bonded. Yeah. They had their own language. She yeah. She yeah. took her. Away from a horrific day to day, and they said, yeah. "Let's go together." And they're not yeah, going to be like, each other. Uh, yeah. "That's my kidney, Definitely. please." <laughs> like blood sisters, literally. Yeah. Oh. Like oh. you three with your periods. It won't make the cut, but I had to say it. We sink from afar. <laughs> <laughs> right. Don't egg him on. I know. God, new period podcast. <laughs> Period. 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 
<laughs> oh no, this is too podcast. good now to not include. Katy Perry's period podcast. <laughs> <laughs> a man talking about. Oh, oh, the thing is with periods. I think, I think that's exactly what we need. <laughs> <laughs> that's I such think. a male thing to say. Someone mansplaining. Periods. Literally, I think yeah. that is what the world. <laughs> God, I'm joking, obviously. <laughs> Don't cancel me. <laughs> So, when they found her, archival reports say that Marie, who was at the time 19 years old, was mute, had claws instead of fingernails, only communicated by using animalistic whooping sounds, and preferred to eat raw meat and drink blood rather than cooked food. She also had an eye twitch that some scholars say may have resulted from being permanently on There he is. Some stories even say all her teeth fell out when she tried to eat a cooked meal, but I mean, what? that's debatable. No. I mean, if her teeth could rip through raw meat, surely it could go through a nice beef bourguignon, right? Yeah, yeah come oh. on, let's not take that it. That lamb last night. <laughs> Tender. Tender. Oh, oh yeah. Hours cold. But a bit rich for someone who's been eating raw meat for 10 oh, years, yeah, you, you know? Yeah. Well, oh, her, gotcha. in, her insides will have been in impeccable condition. Do, mm. do you think? <laughs> nurse Megalove. Uh, she must Megalove. Have her up and have a look. It's true. Megalove is a nurse. So can you please tell us? I wanted your feedback. What, what, what would that do, you know, to a human body? Well, years out in nature well I don't, I, I don't know no. <laughs> take you back to the old times when we're yeah, like I mean, cavemen she'll have had an amazing sense. immune system mm. that's true she'll have been her feet will have been different because she'll have been flat when you walk bare feet your feet change your toes spread out yeah the, your toes spread out and if you've been barefoot for a certain amount of time, you can't actually go back to wearing shoes because your feet don't fit into shoes properly. Mm. So her toes will have spread it out. And I think the natural arch in your foot kind of lowers as well. So she'll have had flat feet. Interesting. Harder skin on the feet. Oh. I heard about that her uh, thumbs were like larger or something like that okay. for some reason thumbs? <laughs> I'm not oh, sure I can understand that but we'll no, go with it maybe for a nut what? For it now. I don't know. <laughs> Make your thumbs yeah. bigger. Who knows? Gouging in like, yeah. uh, tools. Or... Oh, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> oh, girl. <laughs> Gouging eyes out. I mean. Who's eyes? <laughs> she is sheep. Bulldogs. Oh, that poor bulldog. That poor bulldog. Didn't live to fucking tell the tale. <laughs> <laughs> But so, after being essentially captured, she was baptised as Marie-Angélique Leblanc and taken to a hospital. She slowly recovered physically and surprised many by becoming fluent in French after being mute for 10 years. Well, I suppose not fully mute in the sense that she didn't talk out of her mouth. It was just a case of they had their own different language. So like you said earlier, she'll have adapted wild noises, like things that (laughs) we've heard in the forest. So really, learning the French, She's what? Bilingual. Literally, multilingual. Um, She just learnt that other language, which will have been alien to her, really. That's so true. And that's crazy, because she would have arrived young, speaking a bit of French, you know, the French noblewoman, maybe Mm. it was already, but and then she just, like, anything you would have forgotten, if you're not practising for years. years, But maybe that kind of told back to the stuff she'd started to read, started to learn when she was seven, six. Maybe, maybe. So, what's interesting is actually because a lot of the other uh, stories of feral children that I'm going to delve into a little bit later 
a lot of she's only one of the only ones that managed to like completely re-become literate and oh. speak a lot yeah. of them yeah. damaged so bad that could never until their death hmm. no I'm having flashbacks to a film <laughs> oh. that I think oh. I got made to watch on like a film class I think and exactly what it is about the girl who was uh, blind deaf and mute no, no uh, that's a great one I've <laughs> also seen that one yeah uh, and, and Keller yeah, Helen Keller. Helen Keller. Helen Keller. That's an amazing story. It she is. was blind, deaf, and mute by birth, but she still managed to find a way to communicate. Like, yeah, this woman who someone would touch her hand. Oh, don't! I know, all pink. So this emotional. No, this was like a little boy who was like, yeah, a wild child that had been found, and it was this teacher that trying to teach him like the ways. Sauvage. Of, uh, yeah, French yeah. film. I'm gonna talk about right, that later. Oh, hey, she knows it. Oh. She's been sneaky peeking. I got the <laughs> She did print. She always prints the pages. I'm always afraid she's going to peek now. She's too integral for that. Uh, yeah, integrity. That's one of her core <laughs> values. Core values. <laughs> oh, told that in her interview. Yeah. <laughs> so she got the job. Yeah. So obviously she was an object of curiosity, and people all over the world came to see her. She received visits and letters from royalty, and the duke provided her with a generous allowance which enabled her to move to Paris, where she briefly became a nun. Oh. <laughs> so, really, if I gave you a general <laughs> allowance and said, do what you want with it, babe, would you become, become a nun? No, I'd no. do the opposite. <laughs> Me too. You know it. Um, but do you I know what? Do I think it. she just wanted something. <laughs> Say that again, Kathy, didn't hear? I said, I wouldn't do anything. Uh, there you go. So, um, oh yeah, if you want to shout out your boyfriends, it's now. This is the boyfriend <laughs> shout out corner. No, I'm alright. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel bad. Love you, Wes. Uh, <laughs> okay, great. Moving on. Moving <laughs> <laughs> on. <laughs> Nothing for contact. He's upstairs. He'll get a kiss later. Anyway, so, however, when the Duke died and his allowance stopped, uh, Marie Angelique, who faced becoming a destitute, was granted an hour long audience with. Uh, the Queen of France. <laughs> Louis, the Queen of France, Louis the Fifteenth's wife. Why wow. is everybody so interested in her now? Like, so she's been found and then she's been re-educated and yeah. then people feel bad for that they've let this happen? I, I so I'm going to get into that, actually. It's really interesting. Yeah. I'm going to get into that, but great question. So she saved her financially and basically, you know, tossed her a coin. <laughs> What's that ego? To your witcher. Um, hey. Now, her story is an um, almost unbelievable tale. Oh my god, right, this is <gasps> Ellie! <laughs> you foreshadowed it. Now, her story is an almost unbelievable tale of human strength, and while it is amazing that she managed to learn to speak, write, and read, and she loved books at the end. She was like, it helped her escape, and she just really loved it. We can see now with a couple century perspective that this is an, also an ugly tale of racism and xenophobia. Mm -hmm. So the white Western obsession with these wild children reinforced and confirmed their colonialist views mm. on race. Yeah. Mm. Her reform was a statement, basically, about the supremacy of the Western Christian way of life. Even her name, Le Blanc, yeah. which means the white one, suggests that the French didn't only want to scrub her of her time in the wild, but also of her heritage. Oh, God. Um, 
After she was captured, she was seen by a doctor who bled her, because they used to, you know, love bleeding people at the time. They were like, are you feeling bad? Uh, let me take some blood out of you. I've got too much. Um, and apparently he wanted to put French blood in her veins to My see if that would God. help her. Bloody hell. Literally. It's such a twisted way of thinking, isn't it's it? It's so twisted. Fucking eugenics. It's mm. twisted. It's horrific. Bloody hell, the anticipation. Ready? Ah! Hey! Hey! Welcome great back video. to, uh, yeah, great. Welcome back to this episode. Wow. Oh, the balls. That was actually so satisfying. <laughs> Cheers again. Cheers, back in the room. Cheers. Cheers. Hey. Chin, chin. So. The reform of feral children was a particularly appealing idea in colonising countries as non-Europeans were already seen as animals, but the feral child was a representative of a savage race removed entirely from the humanising effects of Western civilization. So people were obsessed with this idea of like a different kind of human because mm. it reaffirmed this idea of like normal and different. So if you saw someone who was like, uncivilized then that kind of made you feel like you're more normal right which is right. why we tend to judge yeah. and when mm. the feral child obsession died down across the centuries humans replaced it with another fascination for serial killers Whoa. again humans whose brains seem to work differently which at one time at once frightens but also reminds us that we are normal so no way so yeah. like that's why the children were the og true crime Probably, yeah. Wow. The OG mystery true crime, you know. Yeah. What's that in the woods? It's a child that has been criminally taken away by Western society. So we need to help her get back. And it was like this crazy idea, you know. Yeah. So really interesting, I mm. thought that point was. But far from the magical qualities of the fictional stories of, you know, Tarzan and Mowgli being able to be stronger, more connected to animals, speak their language, all that, all these wild children's stories are tragic. So I'm going to tell you a few other of the people, mostly boys, basically. So um, John of Liège, who in the 16th century, so in the 1500s, at the age of five, fled into the Belgian wilderness to escape enemy soldiers and was so terrified he never came out of the woods again oh. until 16 years later at the age of 21. Wow. He'd also kind of lost, you know, society and he'd lost uh, how, knowing how to speak, etc. Peter the wild boy, who was found mute and naked in the woods in North Germany. He was brought to London after the king took a, liked him, found him entertaining, and he was paraded about as a showcase. Oh, great. He preferred sleeping on the floor and made people laugh when he tried to take their food or kiss girls, um, until he never learned to speak. And so in his later years, he was sent to live the rest of his life in the countryside until he died in 1785. Um, it is now thought that he was probably originally abandoned in the German woods because he had learning disabilities. Oh, oh angel! Oh. So we also have Victor de Laveyron, the guy who yes. uh, L'Enfant Sauvage, a great film, is about. He's a French boy who was again found tattered, scarred and mute, wandering the woods near Aveyron. It was later found out that his parents had tried to slit his throat <gasps> and abandon him in the forest. Oh. He obviously survived and then was found. 
He died at the age of 40, and although he had learned some social cues, such as bathing or empathy, he never learned to speak. He was just oh, too mentally uh, damaged. It's a really, yeah, weird film. Um, well, interesting, I yeah. guess. But also a bit strange, because, yeah, they're like really just like... Well, yeah, as you said, they're trying to push these ways onto this boy who's like a bit recluse and not quite... You know, like in the same world as everyone. Well, else, no, because he'd lived a completely different. Yeah, life, and then there's I can't remember it very well, but then there's times they like they have proper goes at him, and you know, mm. it's like no, come on, like stand up straight, like you need to eat with like cu- like cutlery and stuff, and do all of these like social things that he's you can see in his eyes. It's just, like why, yeah. Yeah. why? What are you want about? I just want to eat my porridge. You know? yeah. yeah, with my fingers. Yeah. Yeah, or drink rabbit's blood. Well, sure. Okay. I thought I mean, Ma- sure. apparently Ma- <laughs> Marie Angelique apparently apparently wanted to drink. Yeah, but they're not go- they're not going to pick a bit of blood over like river water, fresh running exactly. water. Exactly. That's why as well. Water. It's like it just <laughs> feeds yeah, into this. It feeds into the kind of craziness about it. You know, like yeah. oh, mm. how different in as yeah. a human. So, the last um, one, Dina Sanichar who was discovered in 1867 in Bulanshar uh, district, India. He was mistaken for an animal living in the mouth of a cave by some villagers, but this shape was actually a six-year-old boy who would get the nickname of Wolf Boy. Mm. Missionaries spent the next several years trying to rehabilitate the Wolf Boy, but years in the wild had taken their toll. Sanichar also never learned to talk before his death in 1895, and he's thought to have perhaps been Rudyard Kipling's Inspiration, um, inspiration yeah. for Mowgli. So although these stories are, you know, all in the last couple hundred years, um, our obsession for wild children is still quite present. Uh, am I interrupting? Sorry. <laughs> wow, I feel cheated on. What were you saying? So that is not so really cute. Oh, that was <laughs> Sorry, just let me know if I'm sorry, boring sorry. you. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm just kidding, man. Just kidding. Just kidding. So... Although these stories are now a couple hundred years old, our obsession for wild children is still very present. A Guardian article written by Mary Ann Ochota back in 2017 mentions a more recent discovery of a quote-unquote monkey girl who was allegedly found living with monkeys in northern India back in 2017. The world went crazy with the news, but barely days later, the article was amended as it was found out she hadn't been living with these monkeys for very long at all. And actually, she'd been abandoned by her family just a couple days earlier. Oh, so, you know, what we had instead was this less magical, more tragic story of an abandoned and severely traumatised child. Mm. And so this article notes a few recurring tropes to what a feral child looks or acts like or what we've seen through, you know, the yeah. past. So one, the feral child make the sounds of an animal. Um, children will mimic those around them and seek company and comfort from whatever source is available. So if the most communicative creature in your life is a dog, it is possible you'll pick up the habit of making barking noises. But that's yeah. like everyone. So, exactly. So it doesn't mean that you're thinking like a dog or that you're speaking a dog. Animals do, of course, communicate verbally. But the noises we interpret as meaning, you know, there being the meaningful clucking of a chicken boy or the howling of a wolf girl are in reality a disordered or pre-verbal vocalisation of a profoundly damaged child. Mm. Two, the feral child is covered in hair. So some science says that if you are left long enough, some kind of gene can make you more hairy. But 
basically it's bullshit. Um, in many <laughs> cultures, hair has always been a signifier of power, control, and morality. The lack of it, where it is, what it, you know, if it's sure. shaved, yeah, if it's taken. Yeah, yeah. Some hair cuts, you know, are socially appropriate, some are not. Others indicate a breaking or flouting of the rules. So it's no accident of language that we talk about taming our hair mm. or scruffy hair looking wild or mad. You know, you've got mad hair. Um, controlled hair equals a civilised or controlled self. Yeah. So a feral child's unwashed, uncut or tangled hair mm. is natural but also disturbing. As Lady Gaga said, I am my hair. She is, and <laughs> we all are. Whether it's tangled, whether it's yeah. messy. And so it exposes the uh, animal side of every human, actually, that we have, that we, if we let yeah. it go. Yeah, yeah. A neglected child well, may well look hairy. Add fear and a storyteller's eye for freak show detail, and you end up with fur. Um, so, you know, they weren't hey. furry. Should have seen my hair this morning. Furry fucking Should beast. Should have seen my hair now. Hey. <laughs> Number three, they have claw-like nails, sharp teeth, and staring eyes. Children who haven't grown up with social, uh, you know, communication won't learn the social etiquette of eye contact. I mean, you didn't for, like, 15 years. Oh. Did you know? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. So they appear to stare like animals. It might seem scary or be an indicator of innocent naturalness, but either way, people will notice that it's odd. Long finger and toenails aren't a surprising thing if you've had no one to cut them for you. Akins. Hey! Who cuts your nails for you? Well, I'll stick them toenails. Oh, Ellie cuts them. But... Well, with my teeth, I do. Oh, oh. Jesus. <laughs> Chaos. <laughs> Push the button. Four. Why don't you cry about it? <laughs> I hate this. I hate uh, this. I hate this so much. <laughs> Number four, the feral child can't eat cooked food. Most feral child stories relate some episode where the child refuses cooked food or if they try and eat it, it makes them sick. You know, hers, so her teeth fell out. Exactly. She's but had raw, a raw diet. Exactly. Cooking is what makes us human, right? In the idea of like civilized because we fire and stuff like that. But in reality, a distressed child in any situation will likely refuse all food. And don't want to cook it. Exactly. <laughs> And, and that, and that, yeah. I mean, when you're a child, you're like, I don't want it. Yeah, Fuck off. Yeah, if something you're else. Not feeling good, then. Uh, also, can you imagine if it's like uh, spices, different textures, mm. different things? And you're like, wow, what are they giving me here? What Isn't is it? this? Yeah. The first time I had coriander, I was like, what the fuck is it? <laughs> Get this off my plate! Now. Literally, I remember saying because your mum made a prawn uh, curry, I and I did. It, it did taste soapy for me, but I've, I now love it, and I've got oh, used to it. it. So, my genes evolved. But honestly... <laughs> coriander genes. It just, it, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. But now, back to Marie-Angélique. So, she lived the rest of her life in France. Um, she died in 1775. A wealthy woman of 63. Really? Yeah, what? she was wealthy. Oh, she literally went good. from rags to riches. Which literally. is good honour, because... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really interesting to go into, you know, like, the whole wider thing, but this is a woman that was born in a tribe that hardly exists anymore. Over, uh, over the cross continent. Of another continent. She makes it out. She lives through France's forests. Yeah, she ran she away. She probably walks past where we are. That's what I was thinking yesterday when we were driving around. I wish I could wait to tell you the story, because... I was like, oh my god, it is so wild. Yeah. And I was thinking yeah. maybe Marie Angelique and her little friend, her little companion, maybe walked through the Perigord. Maybe. Probably. <gasps> Probably. 
could Amazing. be possible. So the story of Marie-Angélique's life remains little known in English-speaking countries and appeared to have been almost forgotten for hundreds of years until quite recently the publication of Julia Douthwaite's articles and book in 2002. <laughs> it was featured in broadcasts by the French radio channel um, Europe One in 2011 and by the France, uh, France Inter. France Inter, you love France, I Inter. Love France Inter. In 2012. And then obviously Radio France did this um, chronique about it in 2020. But something to remember, however, is our responsibility in telling these tales. Because if one lesson is to be learned here, it's the danger of othering. Until not too long ago, nearly a couple decades really, people still believed there were six races of humans, with white people being superior to their distant cousins. Across all cultures, there are tales of semi-humans living beyond the reach of safety and society. Mermaids, yetis, centaurs, you know, different people. But also ways of explaining, you know, disabilities or mental or physical birth uh, defects. Maybe the fairies took the child and changed it for a changeling. Yeah. Mm. Perhaps they were cursed or possessed. Either way, the child's difference means they are no longer quite properly fully human and it excuses what parents or society would do to a child. Oh it's not my child because it's born slightly different. The fairies took it. They wash themselves of this responsibility. Yeah. And that's why fairy tales and tales and stories like we're doing now, words have so much importance because these kind of stories still have a lasting effect today on mm. children's welfare globally children with disabilities are less likely to have access to an education or to correct health care and a child with a disability is also three to four times more likely to be the victim of abuse than a child with no disability it's true see it a lot yeah sadly raising a child with a disability also is a fairly modern practice mm -hmm. Back in the day, it was seemed to be too hard and the safest practice was usually to abandon children. Oh. Humans are social creatures. We learn to be in society by being cherished, loved and educated as we grow. A child growing up without access to an education or love to be taught their place in society is a victim of child abuse and would naturally come out of the situation slightly or severely damaged. Mm. So although Marie-Angélique um, and the boys, you know, it was amazing that they were able to reinsert themselves into society and learn to read or write or speak, all these wild children share the tragic story of being forced to leave or chased away from society. And ironically, it wasn't until they had spent years alone in a forest that they were seen as deserving for human attention. Although for some, it may have been too late. Oh. So that is the story, lovers, of Marie-Angélique Leblanc and the wild children. Wow. Amazing. Wow. Thank you for that, game. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much. Cheers. What a Great. story. What a story. And it's really true, actually, to point... Yeah, like how it's told and to put it in, in that perspective. These are just all like little traumatised babies. Who and have been let down. Yeah, let and you down. need to think about like who let them down and put the blame on well, who abandoned them on the first yeah. place yeah. instead of just like trying to find the glory and being the one to have taught them the ways of civilization yeah, as if definitely. their woods just like magically yeah, shut them civilization yeah. that yeah. let them down in the first place. Literally. 100%. They are a product. Exactly. They're a product exactly. of the whole environment surrounding them. If it hadn't, if they hadn't been let down in the first place, they wouldn't have, you know, the end situation wouldn't have been the same. Now, I know you said like in this case, it could have been 
the it wasn't entirely sure how she came about being by herself, whether it be because of the war yeah. or that she'd been taken. But had it have been that she had been taken once again, that's yeah. us as a race that had let her down, yeah. you know? Literally. And she was a product of us. Yeah. And in her particular story, um, which isn't, I guess, the case for all children, she's a product of colonisation. Yes. 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 She was just, like, living her native best life. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, war happened mm. and came, oh, here's a slavery boat, we'll take you off to Marseille, and then you end up in Champagne. I mean, you know, Champagne. Yeah. <laughs> worse regions. <laughs> worse regions to land in. But Jesus. No, I mean, but it's no, terrible. No. Like, really. And you know, she I shouldn't have even been there in the first. She shouldn't have. But I think perhaps she, you know, ironically, she returned to what she knew, back in mm, nature, yeah. back in the forest with you know with her tribes. They lived from the nature. Yeah, they, they knew the, the berries to eat. They lived I bet that's more. How she survived so long. I think mm. you know because look at that. She's taken away from that. She's taken somewhere else, and she's like, and it's horrific. Yeah. This Western society. What does it bring her? Trauma, yeah. the loss of her generation or her people, yeah. rape, yeah. work, yeah. plague. Yeah. Um, so what does she friend. do? Yeah. Death of her best friend. She runs to the forest. And, you know, maybe she found peace there. Maybe that was something... A comfort blanket, that's all she knows. Like, right, OK, if I don't have anything, at least mm. I know how to survive by myself. Yeah. Natural instinct for her. Yeah. I'd be so interested to know if she ever talked about it or what she had to say about it. Yeah. So she so she did... So basically, she... Because um, she could write and read, she was interviewed um, by many, many people, actually. Um, She's written gonna... a book or something. So there is a book. But it'd be interesting to hear it from her words. Well, that's the thing. As opposed yeah. to people that I'd have interviewed it, because I can imagine even, you know, with it being so many years ago, yes, OK, they'd have interviewed her, but they may have altered the interview to fit a certain narrative, you know, of being this sure. wild child. And making exactly. money off her. 100%, exactly. you know, that whole fascination with her. And I don't know, it's bizarre. It's like, you know, the how the circus evolved, having oh. these... You know, in quote, like quotation, like freak, freak shows, yeah. and Absolutely. people come to see them. And this will mm. have been in the case for her. That's like this fascination of this this little the child, other, right? Yeah. yeah. And so you're right. Like any interview, may, like the narrative may have been changed. So it'll have been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Can't speak. I'm sorry. No, you can. Yeah. Don't throw yeah. in the woods. In the piss out. Don't chuck me in woods, guys. <laughs> I'm not chucking no <laughs> No, we shouldn't laugh. No, but still, no. like it'd be yeah, interesting to hear from her own words. Yeah. But maybe it was one of those that perhaps how much would she have delved into it because. You know, you don't want to bring up previous trauma. It could have been a lot to speak about as well. So it's that's why I was interested as well to know because it's like, well, what was her experience of that? Does she even like? Could she even put words to it, or was she in like a bit of a trance? And then, mm-hmm. sometimes you know, when you like, future might things you, you forget. Yeah, memory loss as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You shut off. So basically, there was this one woman called Marie Catherine Omacel Eke. She was a French biographical author of the first half of the 18th century. She was wife, wife of a merchant and um, semi-anonymous Madame H.T., who published a pamphlet biography of the famous feral child Marie-Angélique Mémy Leblanc. It was called Histoire d'une fi- jeune fille sauvage trouvée dans les bois à l'âge de 10 ans in Paris. Ah. Um, 
it was apparently she'd apparently helped she'd apparently been helped by Marie Angelique to write it yeah, what's she but doing? she got one thing wrong, which was she was not ten; she was nineteen, found mm. in the woods. So that's why this story is very hard to, yeah, to tell. Yeah, to get the truths. She exact to get the actual truth. There was even a lot of people for a long time who um, believed that it was completely fictional. <gasps> Oh. But in 2004, French author Serge Arol argued that it was indeed authentic after spending 10 years carrying out archival research into French and American history. Yeah. Wow. So... The dates match up. Exactly. So he, fi- he found some archival documents showing that she'd learned to read and write as an adult, making her unique among feral children. So there is... She definitely existed. But it is that thing about these old stories that it's really hard. Because as you said... She could have maybe... Because basically, apparently, this pamphlet that she'd made, she would give some of them income to help Marie-Angelique live a little bit. Okay. Give it back a bit to her. So mm. they had this idea. They needed they, to make it entertaining, right? Yeah, or they romanticised it. Maybe romanticised yeah. some of it. So someone... Um, but she was really... Um, she was really, like, well... Lots of scholars at the time really, really uh, appreciated... Her story, Scottish philosopher Mon Bodo, who interviewed Marie-Angelique in 1765, considered her to be the most extraordinary person of his time. Um, but Mon Bodo is a great name. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Look at Mon Bodo. <laughs> Mon Bodo. Mon Bodo. But yeah, he Mon was Bodo. like, she's amazing. Yeah, really interesting. Um, really interesting. But so now, like, the first scholarly book on this case was published in 2002, as I mentioned by Julia Dalfway, called The Wild Girl, Natural Man and the Monster, Dangerous Experiments in the Age of Enlightenment. Mm. And I think it must be that thing of, like, who's the monster here? Yeah. yeah. You know, you go back to yeah. Pocahontas and Disney, when they're both oh. savages, that song, where they both see each other as the savages. Yeah. yeah. And it's basically, you see that... It's all perspective. Yeah, and also any book written about her, especially up to a certain date or time, whatever you want, however you want to see it, they're not like I said. They're going to have that bias because why would we want to take any blame exactly. of doing that to her? Yeah. So it's almost going to like change that narrative and almost not shift it to somebody else. Well, probably yeah, shift it to somebody else when realistically, you know, she's a product of our mm-hmm. failure, failure. and yeah. no one's going to want to take any accountability yeah. for that yeah. so the yeah. truth is probably going to be twisted mm. and there'll have been so much that no one actually knows because she'll have never shared yeah yeah and probably yeah she was imagine? probably more trauma can you imagine so let's read a glass to Marie-Angelique yeah. and all the, the on, all the children that were fucking yeah. let down by this society man and even oh, today exactly exactly I saw this guy that takes on like terminally ill children that just get dumped in hospitals because oh, as soon God. as you know that they're disabled and they're terminally ill why do I want anything to do with it it's not why should I look after it it's, it's just awesome. so sad it's you so brought sad. this being into the world why let it down all you have yeah. to do is love them yeah you know it's crazy Ugh. She was let down. Do we know what she looks like at all? So, mm-hmm. I'm glad you said it wouldn't be break about tradition without a little show and tell. Show and tell. <laughs> that was good actually. Well done, guys. I want pain for that. <laughs> we have here a picture of the statue. The this is interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been a while for you, isn't it, mate? Breaking tradition. Are you back? I'm back. I love it. I've left being back. 
So we have a statue of La Sauvagesse de Songy, because that was the small town that she arrived in, in um, Champagne. Uh-huh. Um, the top one there. Oh, OK. So that statue. That's yeah. meant to be her. That's meant to be her. Um, and then a, it's a bit drawing. Greek yeah, 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 I was going to say. The so it like looks cool. like, do you know what it looks like? She's got, look at the details. She's got, she's holding some stuff that could be like wood. She's kind of, oh, if you yeah. look at the details, it might tell that she's wearing skins and she's kind of got a weird hood on her. Yeah. You know, maybe. Robin Hood. Yeah. Try, I think, I think they've, <laughs> I think they've tried, to, tried to maybe depict that, but. I yeah. can't really it's see that. It's not really that. well I'm done. Yeah. Like, uh, sorry, Sanji. Sorry, Sanji. Generic statue. Yeah, generic statue. Goddess of wood. <laughs> That's uh, you. What That's what you? equals you. Hey! Hey! You're And then um, here's a little uh, caricature drawing of the time. That I'd say that's more like realistic. Well, that's like Cosette in Miserable. It does look like Cosette. It It does. Cheap Cosette. Bear away. So, you know, we could have all been these poor children. We could have. That's so true. You could have thank your privilege. Yeah. For sure. Check your privilege. And also just this idea that like, uh, how we can miss the actual point by enjoying a story mm. and I think that well that's why it's really important to do this episode like this kind of episode on this as well because facts and entertainment is you know that's what storytelling it's a is it's a yeah, fine line possibly. um but people people do get hurt from language you know mm. these fairy tales you know from India to South Africa to America there are to Ireland there are cultures of change Iceland too mm. so they would say some children the, the hidden people the elves would come and take some changeling babies mm. basically because the parents were like we don't want this child and yeah. so they'd convince themselves like fairy tale magic could convince yeah, themselves so away from the responsibility of yeah. being a parent 100% yeah. well you know there's there's stories out there. I say stories, but like, there's articles out there speaking of this island. That's I don't know where it is in the world. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah. But there's this island, and it has its own little community on it, and they have zero touch with. You know, I, I say the term civilization loosely, but they have no contact with. You know, the Western world, and they are a tribe, and they live by themselves. And you know, you do see stories of, you know, eager and maybe. Uh, interested like, tourists that do maybe want to go to this island and you know it's not ended very well you know they've never mm. been they've never been seen again after that's the guy that's... in north sentinel that's it the north sentinel island and an american mm. man tried to go there yeah. remember because he wanted to back. declare jesus on yeah. the tribe yeah. oh, wow. and he was um shot and killed yeah. shot by an arrow and killed and we know that because we f- could see his body mm-hmm. on the beach but then there's some tribes that celebrate down, uh, people with disabilities mm-hmm. and they see the a shaman and they wow. can connect with the other worlds wow. and they have a different they see something that they don't and they celebrate people that have disabilities because they can speak to gods that they can't definitely oh wow this pedestal yeah. but it's like yeah. queer people right like in some same thing like trans people in yeah. some indonesian tribes uh, in native american two-spirit non-binary people yeah. you know yeah. were yeah. celebrated who's the problem Western Catholicism, you know, Western Christianity came, it all does, doesn't it? It does. All these stories. Religious institutions. Honestly, and the Western world. That's why a lot of these stories that we tell are forgotten, but that's why now it's our our responsibility to bring them back. Most definitely. We're our worst enemy, but 
We need to re- yeah. be. We are the ones that can bring it back. One hundred percent. We have to acknowledge that and take some responsibility, and you know, bring yeah. ourselves back. Okay. Thanks for telling us that story. Thank okay. you. It was amazing. Thank you for having us. It's been amazing. I know. Finally, you get to wear our northern voices. I'm yeah. So, I'm the so, best one. The sultry tones. <laughs> <laughs> Yorkshire and and western Lancashire. Whoa. <laughs> the red and the white rose. Yeah. You are my red and white roses. One. Yeah. Beautiful. Into on the, the rare occasion it's perfect timing because Finn's just arrived oh amazing we love him alright so um, thank you so much for this episode girls thank um, you can't thank wait uh, to, for another episode of Breaking Bart of course can't and, wait to uh, hear it yeah thank everyone, you all for joining us thanks for joining us and everyone at home I will be posting the pictures hope you enjoyed this one and of course you can follow us on all the social medias just type Breaking Bart and you'll find us baby alright bye Let's get pissed. Now that we're breaking bars.